Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Hebrews chapter number 9, and uh, I uh, want to talk to you a little while tonight about the coming of the Lord. Now, I preach so many times on the coming of the Lord Jesus until folk, when I say that, they say, well, here we go again. Well, I guarantee you tonight that this is a, a, a different outline, and uh, I trust it will be a blessing to your heart. I hope and pray that there'll be uh, maybe a couple of two or three illustrations in this message tonight that might stir uh, your heart as you look for the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that uh, we need to know more about the second coming. Amen. We need to be looking for him. You know, I believe that's why uh, there's so much ungodliness in the uh, that has crept into the churches across America is because people have stopped and just given up looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we, everybody says, you say, you believe that Jesus is coming? Oh, yeah, he's coming. But uh, you're just like me. You've rode up and down the highways before, and you've seen the sign billboards out beside the highway that says uh, uh, the Lord is coming, prepare to meet thy God. And you've seen them that after years and years have gone by, uh, they begin to rot and fall down. And then I've also seen some put up in cement block and this sort of thing out beside the highway. Well, the Lord is coming. And uh, it, it may not be today. It may not be tonight. But I believe His coming is imminent, and I think we should look for and earnestly love and desire the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Hebrews 9 and verse number uh, 28, would you stand, please? And this will just be one verse of Scripture tonight that we're going to read and uh, then have prayer and bring you a message tonight on the second coming, or uh, really, I guess, on the Bible doctrine of the Lord's return. Now, don't let that word doctrine scare you. I, uh, I th doctrine means truth, and uh, we need truth. Amen? We need to know more about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, we're going to get into the Bible doctrine concerning the Lord's return. All right, verse number 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Look at verse number 24. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Look at verse number 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
Our Father, we pray tonight, Lord Jesus, oh, how we need a blessing from on high. We need, dear God, for you to come and meet with us tonight. We need to have our heart and our soul stirred tonight, dear God. We have a, uh, this is the first day of the week and beginning tomorrow and even tonight after church that many of these, uh, thy children will be going out uh, to work in the mines and in the businesses and in the shops uh, in and around this uh, city and in this county and, and Lord they need something to help them live for God this week Lord bless our hearts together in Christian love tonight Lord we just pray that you'd speak to us and give us abundant blessings in Jesus name we ask it amen and amen you may be seated now uh, Charles has a friend with him tonight that I didn't mention his name, but we're so glad to have you tonight visiting with us, sir. And uh, I looked around. I think maybe he may be the only uh, visitor that we have tonight. The rest of us are just home folk, but we're delighted to have you with us. Now, I want to uh, point out to you in the verses that we just read three tremendous appearings of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 26, it says, But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, uh, the appearing we're talking about here is the appearing of Jesus Christ at Calvary, Brother Jerry, when sin was judged, and thank God for that. Amen. When I stand before Jesus one day, uh, Brother Frank, I'll have to give an account to him for the deeds that I've done, but I want to tell you that sin itself has been judged at Calvary. Now, there's a difference between sin and sins. Now, sin is what will damn your soul. Sin is the nature that you have about you. Sins are the result of the fruit of the root that is called sin. And sin has been judged at Calvary, and I thank God for that. So you see the appearing of Jesus Christ at Calvary. And then in verse number 24, uh, we read the words a moment ago, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That is showing us and telling us that Jesus not only appeared at Calvary, but Jesus right now, tonight, is appearing in heaven at the throne of God as an intercessor for you and for me. He is, he is like a lawyer that it is pleading our case before the throne of God in heaven. So he has appeared at Calvary. He's now appearing for us in the heavens. And then the verse that we read uh, in the beginning tonight, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that Look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So uh, Jesus appeared at Calvary. Jesus has appeared in heaven as our intercessor. And bless your heart, honey, he's going to appear one day back here on this earth and we look for him and his soon return. Now there's a number of reasons why I preach so much on the second coming. Number one is that it's, uh, I believe, probably one of the most misunderstood doctrinal truths in the Word of God. I mean more so than the 
uh, than the bodily resurrection of our Savior, more than the deity of the Lord, more than the inspiration of the uh, Word of God, more than the blood of atonement. I'm saying to you tonight that the second coming of Jesus has been vastly and grossly misunderstood. Jesus knew this. He knew it. Listen, he said in Matthew 24 and verse number 4, Take heed that no man deceive you. So I'm saying to you, beloved, I think it's important that we talk about the second coming because of the fact that it is misunderstood. And then I want you to know because of the fact that it's not expected. We're not looking for the Lord. The Bible says, Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. I mean, listen, we're living in a time when Bible-believing children of God are not expecting the soon return of our Savior. That's why you have so many homes that are going on the rocks. That's why you have so many children that are becoming rebellious. That's why you have so much immorality sweeping our land today. That's why you have so much alcohol. That's why you have so much dope. That's why you have so much sin. Because Christian people and the world in general is not expecting Jesus to come again. They're not talking about it. They're not thinking about it. They're not praying about it. They're not expecting him to come. Therefore, I believe we ought to preach more and more on the second coming. I want you to know that it's going to be a physical coming. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ is going to come physically in his person. Now, there have been preachers before. Uh, thank you, Brother Frank. Amen. I appreciate that. Give me a good amen every now and then. I missed you this morning. Listen, there are preachers who preach at a funeral service that this, when a person dies, that that's the second coming of the Lord. Hogwash. Baloney. There is no such thing as that. I, I've also heard uh, folk talk about and preachers who uh, preach on people when they're born again that this is the second coming of the Lord when he comes into your heart and you're born again. Hogwash, baloney, that's not what it is. I've heard people, uh, uh, preachers get up and talk about uh, a spiritual coming of the Lord. No, it's not going to be spiritual. It doesn't happen at a funeral. And, and, and my friend, it's going to be a physical, bodily coming of the Lord Jesus. And then I think also we ought to preach on it because uh, folk just don't love his appearing. I mean, listen, the Bible says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul preaching here. And he said, which the Lord... The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not only to me, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Amen. I mean, listen, your heart ought to beat a little quicker when you think about Jesus coming. I mean, listen, when you think about uh, Mrs. Quesada and her sister and her brother and all of the, the heartache that they're having there tonight. Because they're expecting the, the death of their mother. Uh, uh, listen, all that will pass away when Jesus comes again. 
that little one that we had prayer for just a little while ago, you won't have to worry about that. When Jesus comes again, Sarah Redden, you won't have to worry and be concerned about her anymore. When Jesus comes again, I mean, listen, he's going to take care of all sickness and all pain and all heartache and all sorrow and all suffering. And I'm saying to you tonight, we need to preach more and talk more on the second coming because of the fact that the children of God simply do not love and anxiously await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then let me give it to you tonight. I'm preaching on it because I'm instructed in the Word of God. You say, uh, I've had folks say, well, I don't like you to preach on certain things. Well, bless your heart, honey. I'm going to preach on it because it's in the Word of God. The Bible plainly says, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. And bless your heart, the second coming of Jesus is an integral part of the Word of God. It's one of the promises of God. And I'm going to preach it until he comes again. So I'm saying to you tonight, bless your heart, we need to preach on the second coming of the Lord. The Bible says over in Revelation 22, you know, anybody's last will and testament is an important document. I guarantee you, if somebody uh, left a will and they wrote letters out, sent letters out and said, we want you to come for the reading of the last will and testament of brother or sister so-and-so, you know what you do? You'd go because you'd think that they were going to mention you in that last will and testament, you see. And so you'd be sitting there with hands outstretched just waiting uh, like a little bird for the worm that's going to come your way. But listen, whatever is said in a last will and testament is important. I remember when I read my father's last will and testament. I read it all the way through. I read every word of it. I thought it was important. And Jesus left us a last will and testament in this book right here. In Revelation 22, it is significant. Listen. He makes one statement three times. Brother Frank, he says, Behold, I come quickly. He said, Behold, I come quickly. He said, Behold, I come quickly. And old John turned around and said, Even so come, Lord Jesus. So I'm saying to you tonight that I believe we ought to preach on the second coming. Now the second coming takes place in two parts. Now, the rapture is spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4 in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that means to be caught away, to be caught up. You don't find the word rapture in the Bible. You ever heard anybody, you ever read anywhere where it said that she looked with him, she looked at him with enraptured eyes? You know what that means? She was caught up by the man, you know. I mean, listen, she, she was expecting to be uh, swept away by the man. And that's what, that's what we're talking about when the rapture takes place. Well, listen, we're going to be swept off our feet. We're going to be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Now, 
uh, in first, uh, second Thessalonians, first Thessalonians 2 and 13, we, we say, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Now that has, that has a reference there to the revelation of Jesus. Now, catch up with me. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, having to do with the rapture, we're going to be caught away and into the clouds to be with Jesus. And 1 Thessalonians 2.13 has this phrase in it, and it says that uh, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Now, in the first coming, when he comes in the clouds, uh, he's not, his feet are not going to touch the earth. He'll not be riding on a white horse at that time. He'll come in the clouds and only the trump of God's going to sound. He's coming with a shout. He's coming with the voice of the archangel and all of those who are saved. You say, Brother Bill, I thought it was only those who were living for God. No, all of those who are saved, they're going to be caught up. You say, well, how about all those people out there that are saved but are not going to church? They're going to go too. They're going to go too. How about all those people, Brother Bill, that are saved but they have open sin in their life? They're going to go too. Now, they'll have to answer to God. They'll have to stand and face that sin at the beamer seat, but they're going to be raptured and caught away. Your getting into the rapture and being a part of it doesn't depend on how you live. It depends upon your relationship with God Almighty. And if you're his child, you're his son, you're going to be caught up when Jesus comes. But then, after seven years, he's coming again. Now, that's what First Thessalonians 2 is talking about when he comes with all of his saints. Brother, I'm coming back with him. And we're, I wish I, listen, I wish I had time right now to tell you about uh, how he's going to come and his feet are going to touch down upon the mount. It's going to be split asunder. Uh, I, I, all of these things are going to happen. And I'll try to tell you a few of them as we move into the message tonight. Now, all that is just the introduction. Now we get into the message uh, tonight. I want to give you several things tonight, uh, some truths about the second coming of the Lord or the Bible doctrine concerning the coming of our Savior. Now, number one, the manner <coughs> of his coming. Now, if you'll take the time to go back in the book of Acts, please turn back there with me to Acts chapter number one and look at verse number 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, the manner is that he's coming back the same way that he left here. Amen. Now, that's not hard to understand. I mean, listen, anybody 
with any education at all, and if you're able to read, and if you have uh, Jesus in your heart and the Holy Ghost living in you, you can discern that wonderful truth from the Word of God when it says He's going to come in like manner. Just as you see Him leaving here in the Scriptures, He's coming back the same way. Now that means that He's coming to, going to come back to us suddenly. Now, the Bible says, and Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. The Bible talks about it as a twinkling of an eye. Now, I don't know how quick that is, but I'll tell you this, you're not able to see. I'm told that you can't see just a twinkle with the eye. I mean, your eyelid is opening and closing so quickly that you can't hardly tell it. Every time you move your eyes, you try it. Look, look at somebody. Every time you, you move your eyes, your, your eyelids shut and open again. There's a reflex there. If somebody puts their hand up in front of you, your eyes blink just like that. Now, the Word of God says, just like the twinkling of an eye, that one day Jesus is coming. Now, brother, that suddenly. I mean, uh, you can't get ready at the last minute for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You had better be ready for him at all times. I, I heard about one little girl that she was in school and and they uh, man came by, the, uh, the superintendent, and he came by and looked at all the, uh, the classrooms. He walked into this classroom, little children there, and he said, now, I'm going to come back. And said, we're going to check and I'm going to see who has the cleanest desk when I come back. And after he left, one little girl in the school, in the classroom there, she said, I'll tell you what, I made up my mind that I'm going to have the cleanest desk when the superintendent comes back. Now, she was a little girl that always had a messy desk. I mean, always. It was just always a mess. And so they laughed at her. And one fellow, one little boy said, how do you intend to do this? She said, I am going to clean my desk every week until he comes back. And the teacher said, now, wait a minute. Said, what if he comes back during the week? She said, well, I'll clean my desk every day. In the morning when I come in, I'll, the first thing I'll do, I'll clean my desk. And the teacher said, well, what if he comes back in the afternoon? After you've worked all day long and you've got a messy desk. And she looked up with a twinkle in her eye. And she said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll keep my desk clean all the time. Now that's the way you ought to live, friend. Because Jesus is coming back suddenly in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the Lord is going to come and you had better be ready. He's going to come bodily. He went away suddenly. He went away bodily. The Bible says in Luke 24 and 39, Behold my hands and my feet. He said uh, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me now have. I'm saying to you that Jesus Christ had a real body. Now there's a lot of perverted teaching going around that says that Jesus is going to come, but he's going to come in a spiritual 
body. I've even had people tell me and think in their mind that one day when we get to heaven, that we're just going to be sort of uh, Brother Doug disembodied spirits, just floating around, relaxing, not doing anything for eternity, just everybody just looking at each other and floating around like spirits in a place called uh, paradise. It's not going to be like that. Listen, if we got somewhere where there wasn't anything to do, why Miss Burns, Brother Bucket, go out of their mind? I mean that. They, they can't be still anytime. And so I think there's going to be plenty to do in heaven, and we're not going to be disembodied uh, spirits simply floating around in, in some ethereal uh, somewhere, but I believe we're going to have bodies. Jesus had a body. He said, listen, touch me, feel me, handle me. He said, I've got a body. I want you to see me. I want you to look at me. And so he's going to come back bodily. And then thank God for this. He's coming back in the presence of his own. Now, when he left here, only those who saw him going up were saved folk. No lost people saw him at that time. Did I say something wrong then? Huh? I see people smiling out there. I hope I'm not doing anything wrong. Listen, the only people that saw Jesus in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 10 were those who were saved. They saw him go. You know who's going to see him when he comes back in the first phrase? Uh, phase of it, in the rapture. Only those who are saved. I mean, the world's not going to see him. And those people who are lost are not going to see him. Now, they are going to see him at the revelation. That's seven years after he comes to receive the saints of God unto himself. When he comes in all of his glory, riding on a white horse and taking vengeance upon those who oppose him here on this earth. Every eye is going to see him. Every tongue is going to confess. Every knee is going to bow. But bless your heart, honey, in the rapture, when the saints of God are called up, when he comes back, he's going to come to his own. They'll be the only ones that will see him at that time. Now, I read another story about a father and a daughter who liked to swim. And they were out in deep water one day, and uh, I've had it happen to me. Ms. Burry, remember the time I went swimming years ago, and I went in the water way up here, and the undertow got a hold of me and started sweeping me out towards the sea. And I finally got back in, but I must have been two miles down the beach, and I, I had to fight for my life to get back in. This, this uh, father and his daughter was out swimming, and the waves, they drifted out too far from the shore and out of the sight of the land. And, uh, and, and the waves began pushing them further and further away. And the father was a more powerful swimmer than the daughter. And he looked at her and he said, honey, he said, now, daddy taught you how to float on your back. And you can turn over on your back and you can lay here in this water and you can float until daddy gets back. And so that's what I want you to do. And so he paddled with his arms as hard as he could. He swam towards the shore and he was gone for some time. They got a boat and came back out looking for his daughter. And after a little while, they saw her there in the water, just bobbing up and down, flat of her back, just resting there and floating in the water. And when they took her in, they asked her the question, said, 
how did said that, did it bother you out here by yourself? And she said, oh, no, it didn't bother me at all. Said, my daddy told me just to float and said he'd be back in a little while. And she said, that's what I've been doing, just, just swimming here, floating on my back and waiting for my father. Listen, Jesus said that he was coming. We looked at the manner of his coming. Now the mystery concerning his coming. Now, mystery in the word of God is not some deep, dark secret that God doesn't want you to know anything about. It's a truth revealed for the first time. And it's opened up to you and God lets you see it. Now, Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 51 and 52, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Now listen to it. He said, We shall not all sleep. Now that means death. We're not all going to die. He said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now, I want you to uh, notice several of the mysteries concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the first mystery is simply this, that we shall not all die. Everyone is not going to die. Now, I thank God for that. Amen. I, uh, I'm looking for the upper taker and not the undertaker. I, I have no desire to visit Mr. Melton over here. And I have no desire to have my wife go out and pick out a casket for me. I listen. I don't. I don't want one of those. If I have any satin sheets, I want them here. I don't want to wait till I get into a casket to get mine. But I. I'm not looking forward to dying. Brother Jimmy, for years, has been trying to uh, sell me. Uh, uh, no, he hadn't. But he talks about it all the time about these uh, plots up here in the in the graveyard. Now I don't have one. I've got a place over in North Carolina that they said uh, my wife could bury me over there and that's where we'll go when I die and you can plant me out there in a field and, and, and I'll, I'll just, uh, I'm going to fight it long as I can. But if it overtakes me, I'll go. But I, I'm telling you tonight, there's some people that are not going to die. You ought to thank God for that. I mean, listen, everybody in the Bible didn't die. Did you know that? I mean, there's types of the rapture uh, found in the Old Testament. Think about old Enoch. Huh? I mean, listen, old Enoch and God was out walking one day and enjoying themselves. And, and uh, God said to Enoch, said, uh, well, it's time for me to go home. And Enoch had been walking with God so long until uh, he was closer to God's home than he was to his home. And Enoch said, you know, I sure would like to go to heaven with you. And God said, well, just come on and go with me. And the Bible says that he was not, for God took him. Amen. I, now, all that I told you right there, that's not a direct quote from the Word of God. I mean, that's a little bit of burology thrown in there. But I'm telling you, Enoch was taken alive into heaven. He didn't die. And then how about old Elijah? Elijah was caught up. I mean, these two men didn't die, and these are just uh, types of, 
of a multitude of people that won't have to die when Jesus comes again. Now, that's a wonderful mystery involved in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I mean, the translation of the saints of God, I'm not going to die, but I want to tell you it thrills my heart. Now, it may not do much for you, but sometimes when I get alone by myself and I get to thinking about it, I mean, it thrills my soul. Listen, one of these days, I, the songwriter said it like this, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. Thank God. I mean, listen, uh, if he came right now, Brother Norman, all that would be left here is just the remains of Brother Ben. I mean, this old wore-out suit and this new shirt I've got on tonight, this tie, my shoes, my socks, my undergarment, my watch, my ring, my bifocals tonight, it would all be here in one little, uh, one big pile right here <laughs> on the platform, and I'd be gone. That's right. Now, if that doesn't excite you, your exciter's broke. I mean, there is something wrong with you if it doesn't excite you down deep in your soul to think about the translation of, of the catching away or the rapture of the saints of God. Now, another mystery concerning the second coming is this, and that's time. Matthew 24, 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No man knows about it. And the Bible says, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Somebody said, well, Brother Bill, aren't there any signs? Can we look for any signs? No. Now there are signs concerning the revelation. I preached the message here on seven signs of the second coming. But I was talking about the great and grand and glorious appearing a revelation when Jesus comes in all of his glory. But as far as the rapture of the church is concerned, there is not one sign concerning this. He could come at any moment. He could come while I'm speaking tonight. Now that throws a lot of people. There's a man by the name of William uh, Miller, and uh, he got him a uh, a good Bible and a Cruden's Concordance, and he studied. And I believe, I believe Miller was was sincere. I really do. I've I've read some about him, but he said that uh, uh, Jesus Christ was going to come in eighteen hundred and thirty-one. And you know what he did? He said, "Now, I said we want you to get you uh, some white robes, and and you get you people get into the." Uh, into the hills, get as close to heaven as you possibly can, and just set up a watch and look for Jesus. He's going to come in the year 1831. Well, you and I know he didn't come. But the Seventh-day Adventist people, they said, well, William Miller. I mean, listen, they, they said he didn't know exactly what this movement was on the part of Jesus. And so three or four years later, in nine, I believe about 1835, they came out and said, well, the movement by the Son of Man wasn't that he was going to come back to this earth, but that he had moved in heaven. And he had gone into the 
uh, the holy of holies. That's what they teach. Some of you are looking at me tonight and, and, and with consternation upon your uh, face and your brow. But I'm telling you, that's what the Seventh-day Adventist church teaches, beloved. They're wrong uh, 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 concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And, and uh, a lot of people have been misguided down through the year. Uh, Taz Russell came out. When was it? When did he say the Lord was going? Was it 1914? I believe Jehovah's false witness had said that Jesus was going to come again. And uh, he didn't. Now, World War broke out in 1914. But Jesus didn't come. And I, I'm saying you, uh, the Bible just says that no man knows the day or the hour. I, if somebody comes along, I got a piece of paper several years ago uh, that told me that in, I believe it was in 1980, 81 or 82, that the Lord was coming. I mean, this fellow had it all figured out. He had it down to the very month, the very day that the Lord was coming. I didn't spend my time reading. You know what I did? I filed in file 13 right off to the left edge of my desk. When anybody comes by and tells me to know when Jesus is coming, you can mark them off. They're, they're in error. They're, they're wrong. They're deluded. They've been misguided by the devil because no man knows the time. And then let me share this with you, a mystery concerning the second come. Are you ready to go home? I shouldn't ask that question because somebody might say, yes, sir, we're ready to go. I know I know some of you are. I can look at your face. You're, you're somewhat like John over in Revelation 22 uh, when he said, how long? Oh, Lord. You know, I, but I, I'm saying to you, Jesus is coming. You ought to be excited about it. Amen? All right. Iniquity. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, it says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth now that's an old English word and if you get you out a good Bible dictionary you'll find out that that word means hindereth hinder he who now hindereth will hinder or will let and uh, he, this scripture is talking about the, the Antichrist and it's talking about someone that is holding him back and that someone is the Spirit of God, Brother Frank. But one of these days when the saints of God are taken away from this earth and we're caught up into the clouds to be with Jesus, now where does the Holy Ghost live and abide right now. He's inside of us in that right now. We, you and I both know that the Holy Ghost is, is everywhere. Amen. I mean, he's God. And so he is omnipresent, but the Bible tells us that he abides in the bodies of believers inside of us. Now, when he is gone in the bodies of believers, then all hell literally is going to break loose here upon this earth and iniquity is going to run wild. I mean, listen, sin and rebellion is going to uh, run wild here upon this earth during the tribulation time. 
So that's another mystery. Now, let's go to the motivation of his coming. I mean, you might as well sit back, folks. We got two more points to go. And it took me 35 minutes to get this far. I mean, you might as well just bear with me. No, I'll be through in just a minute. We'll cut these short. I'm talking about the motivation or how the second coming motivates you to live for God. Amen. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Now listen, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. I'm telling you, the second coming ought to motivate you towards holy living. Amen. I mean, listen, live for God. It ought to motivate you to pray more. Uh, the second coming ought to motivate you to be separated in your living. It ought to motivate you to soul win, to go out and win people and souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you something, friend. You can put this down somewhere. All those people that are lost right now. Now this ought, to, this ought to shake you up a little bit. But all those people who are lost right now. And they have heard the gospel. They have heard it by radio, by television. They've heard it from pulpits. They've read about it in tracts. I mean, they have heard that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them on the cross of Calvary. Everyone who has heard that in this age, this dispensation that we're living in right now, this ought to shake you up. When the Lord comes, God, not the devil, but God, is going to send a strong delusion that they would believe the lies of the Antichrist, the devil. And so I'm saying to you tonight, Jesus is coming, and you'd better get out, and you'd better witness, and you'd better live a holy, dedicated, consecrated, separated life for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ because some people, some of your loved ones are watching your life right now. Every day of your life, you have eyes upon you. They watch you going to work. They watch you going home. They watch you around your home and how you conduct yourself. They watch where you go. They watch who your friends are. And I'm saying to you tonight that the second coming of Jesus Christ ought to motivate you to live for God and to win souls for the Lord Jesus. I have begged and pleaded with people for 25 years of my life, more than that, I, 1960, well, 25 years of my life, I've been begging and pleading with people to live for God. I really have. I've exhorted you to live for God. I have tried. Now, I know I'm not perfect. I know you don't have to point that out to me. I'd be the first to admit to you tonight 
that I'm not perfect. Everywhere I've gone, everything I've done, I've tried to set an example for my church. And I have begged, I've done all of this, and I've exhorted you to do the same thing. And beloved, the only thing that will ever help you do it is to get it down deep in your soul that Jesus is coming again. If that ever grips you, you'll be about the Father's business. Thank you.